welcome. Hallelujah. We thank God you have tuned into this message by David Entry at Caris Church. No hand can help you with the fulfillment of your destiny but the word of God. May God's hand align with you further into your destiny through this word. Colossians chapter 3, reading from verse 8 through to verse 17. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Father, we pray that as we have come together to hear your word, we pray, give us a listening ear. Give us an opened ear. Give us a circumcised ear. That your word will find a place in our hearts and bring forth fruits, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, all to your glory. After encounter with you in your word, let it be evident as we go out of here that we have met God. Let the fruits of our meetings with you be evident everywhere we find ourselves and let the glory of God begin to show forth on our lives. Thank you that as your word is taught, healings will take place, deliverance will take place, convictions will take place, direction will come to people. In the name of Jesus, the heavens will be opened and revelation will be granted. Holy Spirit, you are the only one who can teach the truth. We submit ourselves to you. And we open our hearts to you in reverence. Teach us God's word to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week we focused very much on how Christ is the life of the church. Christ is the essence of church. The essence of the church is not our music. It's not our gathering. It's not our preaching. You can copy and mimic and replicate our gathering, but it doesn't make it a church. The essence of a church is Christ. 
So he says that, verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is. Christ is all when it comes to church. And not just his all, he is all. The constituent component of a believer's life is Christ. So Paul puts it this way, my little children of whom I travel until Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, until Christ is formed in you. That is the Christian life. So we find out that the church is not just a gathering of people who are singing hallelujah. The church is not just a gathering of people who say, God, we love you. The church is not just a gathering of people who have a priest or a pastor or a spiritual leader in front of them. So I'm just telling you that some of the things that is presented as church largely is likely not to be church. There are church gatherings where the constituent, the church essence, the actual church, Maybe 100 people, and there's only two people who are real Christians. Yeah. Some of us were exposed to that kind of... I, I used to be in a church like that. I used to be in a church like that. And it's easy. If we don't keep the word of God as a top priority in this church, over a long period of time, we will have the margin of non-Christians will be larger than Christians. It will be. Because over a period of time... People drift, messages drift, focuses and emphasis change. That is why the teaching of God's word, whether it feels boring or not, must be enforced. I'm talking about pure teaching of scripture. Because sometimes you might not really like when you are going through some things, you just, this and the Bible say, Bible say, you just want deliverance. <laughs> you just want breakthrough. We just this week has been so stressful. There's so much on your mind, so much, and you are also coming crisis. There's essence of church. Please, Pastor, pray for me. <laughs> you know, but therein lies our security. The word, the word of God, the word of God must be preached always. I found out in scripture, uh, Paul told Timothy in the book of Timothy that he didn't say to him that as a preacher, preach from the word. <laughs> he didn't say preach from the word. He said preach the word. Preach. When you open your mouth, it should be explaining and teaching all word. Preach the word. The word of God. That's the only security for any Christian organization. It's not our resources. Not our political acceptance. Not our membership. The church of Titeria was one of the most thriving churches in a very wealthy community. Very thriving. People were streaming in. And they were streaming their services. <laughs> church of Titeria was very wealthy. I mean, Titeria used to be a very wealthy place. So, a lot of, it's like having church in Kensington. Mayfair. Church of Titia was doing so well in terms of human judgment. But Christ was not central in the church. 
to the extent that now Jezebel has become their main head pastor. <laughs> can, can you imagine? So it's important to understand that until we keep the teaching of God's word, not the feelings of people, the teaching of God's word as the center of our Christian gathering over a period of time, let me say this, even in our Sunday schools, let the children know they've come to church. They are not coming to crash. They've come to church. And well, this is a young people's church, a, a youth church. Um, and then they go and just dancing and dance the word of, we are killing the future of the church. Killing the future of the church by trying to organize rave style meetings. And the youth pastor is like a rap artist. So as to attract the young people, I think you are holding the stick at the wrong end. Never attract people to church based on something else apart from this. He said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. So if they are not drawn to God and to his word, there is something wrong. You are serving meat and you want to attract sheep. Then you are saying, let the tigers come. When they come, then we can make them start to like grass. <laughs> they came for deliverance, not for Christ. They came for miracles, not for Christ. The miracles, if they don't, it doesn't, see, miracles don't change people. After Jesus did some miracles, many people left him. Miracles are good, please. Are good because I believe someone is receiving a miracle right now. Because it's a, it's a kind of validation. God confirms his word with works that only God can do to validate his word. So we, we can never downplay the place of miracle. But we can't elevate miracle above the word. It's important. I will come a bit more to that when we go down. But then he says that Christ is the essence, the core competence of a church. So it doesn't matter whether you call it a Jamaican church, a Korean church, Church of England, Church of Accra, Church of... It does not matter what you call it. If it is a church, then Christ must be all. Not, not like part of it. Must be all, the, the everything. is the only thing that makes the church. It, that means anything outside of Christ is a foreign element in the church. Can be music, it can be style, it can be preaching. Some preachings are completely foreign, foreign elements in the church life. So it's very important where Christ is all. But now look at the text again. I want to draw your attention to something. Verse 12 Put on, therefore, as the elect. Last week I told you how we are elected. Holy, we are holy. Say, I'm holy. I'm holy. And I explain what it means to be holy. And beloved, beloved, you see the way a mother can carry their uh, little, sometimes even you appreciate that. <laughs> because they are carrying something that is very beloved. I, I just love this. I just love this, my baby. Sometimes you look at your baby and it's like, the baby is all your life. Yeah, that, that's a sign of motherhood. So, 
We are beloved. God looks at you. Don't underestimate how much heaven loves you. God, he said, we are, you were not in that position. No human being is born naturally in that position. When he said, God so loved the world, he just has the, God is love. First John chapter 4, verse 16. So that's, that's the nature of God. What's the definition of God? God is love. Yeah. God is love. What is God? He's love. That's the definition of God. So him loving is natural. But then when you are in Christ, he sets his love on you. That, that's different. Bible says that having loved them to the end, Jesus Christ, knowing his own, having loved them to the end, the Greek word is aestelas. It's like the fullest expression of love that you can have. He loved them to the end. Jesus loves his, his disciples. That's how much we are loved. We are, verse one, okay. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should be depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own, this love is not the same as everything. Having, there is a certain love, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them, Aesteles, that's the Greek word, Aesteles, he loved them to the fullest extent. And when you become a born-again Christian, oh, there's nothing like a born-again Christian. A Christian is born again. If you are not born again, then you are not a Christian. Um, when you are a Christian, when you become a believer, God sets his love on you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he says that for those he foreknew, the Greek word translated foreknew, is not, most times people think it's like foreknowledge. So God knew that one day you come to church, Pastor David will preach and you give your life to Christ. So God knew that ahead, so he chose you. No, he's not talking about that omniscience or the foreknowledge in that sense. He's talking in the sense of how Adam knew his wife and his wife conceived. Adam knew his life. So the Bible will use metaphor or metaphoric language, like Adam knew his wife, talking about how Adam set his love towards this woman and loved her and loved her and she conceived. Amen. Amen. God, he set his love on us before we even showed up. So he foreloved, he, he, he set his love on us before. So people who are born again, people who are eventually saved, are people who God has actually, before time began, has set his life, his love on them. So for those he foreknew, those, the actual, the actual Greek word is those he set his love on. It, them he called. Those he called. Them he justified. Those he justified. Them he glorified. So he set his love on us. That's why we are in church, not because we are smart. Mm. Thank you. You don't get born again because you are very intelligent. Mm. Then all professors will be. Ah. But there are a lot of professors who are going to hell. A lot of academics who are so blunt. They, they don't know God. Why? Because there's no intellectual pathway to God. I mean, that's how God has chosen to do it. Else, most of us here will be disadvantaged. Others, because you don't have a degree. 
the one with the PhD will know God better than you know. So God has not designed it that human wisdom, human intelligence makes us discover him. He has put heaven in our hearts. Oh, hallelujah. And so, those he set his love on. And now, he says that we are beloved. God, is, hello, my darling. That's why we pray. We are, he said, therefore, as the elect, we are elect of God, and we ask and holy, we are holy, separated unto God, and beloved. That's why you, you have to be very careful when you are maltreating a genuine Christian. You have to be very careful when you are playing with a Christian's husband. You have to be very careful when you are playing around a Christian's wife. You have to be very careful when you are playing around a Christian's child. Your destiny might never recover because that is someone God has set his love on. God has set his love on us. We have been, Ephesians chapter 1, it says that we have been accepted amongst those who are beloved. Wow. Yes. You definitely, looking at your history, you shouldn't have been part of those that God has actually set his love on. But today, you two, you are more. Ah! Shout hallelujah. So from that background, it says that, therefore, put on as the elect of God. You should know God has elected you. You know, sometimes when you are, when we are in secondary school, when someone is elected as a school prefect, or their behavior changes. Because you have, you have to toe the line. Because you are in an elected office. But you forgot, most of us, it's very easy to forget, say, that you are an elected officer by God. You are God's elect. You are holy. You are God's beloved. On the grounds of that, he said, we should put on. So we are putting on as God's elect, God's beloved, God's holy person. Not because you feel like doing it. Not because you feel like, ah, the way this, today I'm in a good mood. Your moods are not important. Your, your mood is not, it's unimportant when it comes to what you should be in Christ. So he says that, Therefore, therefore, I put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, innermost. It talks about in your heart. You are so merciful at core. Meanness, you don't look like God being mean. You don't look like God. You don't look like Christ. They were killing him on the cross and yet he was praying for them. Ah, that's not natural, please, please. Let us not fake it. It's not natural. It's not natural. Sometimes people forget that church has people, human, real human beings. Yeah. It doesn't come naturally. Wow. You, he says that, therefore, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, mm. kindness, Christian brother, mm. Christian sister. Mm. Naturally, you are not kind towards certain people. But because you are in an elected office, because God has set his love on you, and because you are a unique entity separated to God, you are supposed to put on kindness. Wait. 
put on kindness. Put on humbleness of mind and put aside this all this arrogance. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? You always think you are better than everybody or other people. Please, it is natural for you to feel like that at times, especially when you see others, you believe you are better than. I've been a pastor for a while. There are ladies in church who don't see why it's not them who are married and this one. Because they know, they know by all standards, they are better. But what they don't know is that they are beautiful to look at, but terrible to live with. So some people think they are better than others. Put on a humbleness of mind. You are not better than anybody. You are not better, I'm telling you. You are not. Nobody, when you come to church, nobody is better than anybody. Not even the pastor. The pastor is not better than anybody. He's just doing an assignment by God. When we are in church, put on, put on, you have to be intentional. Make, some of you can make friends with people with dark skin. You can make friends with people with light skin. You can make friends with people who don't have money. You can make friends with people who don't drive a certain type of car. You never said hello to her until you saw that she was driving Porsche. Now you have become very nice. Hello, hello. Can we have tea? Fake. You didn't take him serious until you found out that found out that he owns some companies. Found out that he's a PhD holder. Suddenly, every time you are looking out for hello, 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 put on humbleness of mind. Get on with everybody, not only certain type of people. Get on with everybody if you are doing the church life. Get on with everybody, including those who are not your type. Get on with that. Humble yourself and get on with that. Don't say, where I come from, you know, my background. Don't bring your background to church. Don't bring your background to church. We don't need it. All we need is the Christ in you, please. That's all we need in church. Bring your background. Those of us who can fast a lot, those of us who can coach scriptures, those of us who are very strong, those of us who are fiery, please still put on humbleness of mind. Put on humbleness of mind. The, the fact that you can pray, when we say let's pray, you know, you know the ways people who have been around for long can intimidate others. But the point I'm making is that it's very easy to claim importance above others because of something we are able to do better than them. Let's put on humbleness of mind. That means that allow someone to offend you, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and get over it. Someone offended you seven years ago, and every time you are still holding it. Put on Sir, it's intentional. But these things are the elements of God. These are the things that make us look like God. And you don't do that only towards, this is talking within the church context, but it's so much part of you, it extends to all. All, whether atheists or or theists or Buddhists or Muslims or friends or enemies or uh, religious or irreligious or 
party, in your political party or not in your party. I mean, male or, it, it doesn't matter. You put on kindness. If you are not known to be a kind person, I think you should be worried. God will not answer a lot of your prayers. At least someone must know and vouch that you are a kind person. Then the people who are vouching for you begin to increase with time. When people know you, they must attest that, wow, you are just, if someone wants to know he can get away with something, with somebody, you should be first on their mind. Not because you are so gullible or vulnerable, but they know with you they will find mercy. Let's move on. Meekness and long suffering. Long suffering is, he likes doing that. He lies in this time, I'm not going, no, no, he said, suffer for long, like, for, for the sake, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the church, you must be willing to still accommodate some things. Because if, that's, 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 that's what makes people marry for long. You see people who have been married for a long time, it takes a lot of long suffering. Yes. So, meekness, meekness is just, um, it's, it's not just humility, but a certain attitude. The Bible says Moses was the meekest of all men. Yeah. It's an extension of humility, but it goes, it's, it's a state of heart. You're, you're calm in dealing with people, you're handling people. Sometimes people do things you don't like, and the way you react, you depict such, you react in a way that they actually feel you are such a nice, not because you are condoning. You are not condoning. But there's grace. You are so graceful in handling people's weakness. You are so graceful in handling people's uh, faults that you find with them. Meekness. These are virtues. And these are the elements of the life of God that we have to put on. We have to put on. Look at the next verse. I'm going somewhere. Of wearing one with another. In other words, just sometimes. There are things about people you might not appreciate. But bear with them. Forbear. Put up with them. It's not something that will kill you. It's just like you have a child who has a need. You know, sometimes you just put up with a child. It's, it's just necessary. Put up with your, your mom. We put up with our people. Because that's how they are. In the same way, when you come to church... Let's learn to put out with some people. Mm. Forbearing. It's, it's not like we are endorsing something, okay. but we are forbearing. Forbearance. It's necessary as a Christian. It's part of what makes church work. Yeah. Without forbearance, we always fight because we are from different, different backgrounds. So Christ is our unifying factor. Forgiving one another. Someone definitely of necessity must step on your toe. Knowingly or unknowingly. Someone may offend you. Sometimes you hear what someone has said about you. If you are not intentional in putting on these elements, you will forgive. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it speaks about how we should forgive one another. Ephesians said, and be kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. The way God has forgiven you, said, that same way, you should also forgive others. It's intentional. Someone said, Pastor, 
I, me, I can forgive, but I can't forget. You haven't forgiven. <laughs> then some things will not leave your memory, but you don't act on it anymore. You have made up your mind. And it's, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. I've decided that this thing, I won't make it. A, and if you want to forgive, stop talking about it. The more you talk about it, the more hurt you feel about it, and the more you can't let go. Someone will come back and say, did you see what? It's okay, that's okay. Stop talking and shut people down from talking about it because you are on a journey of forgiveness. Every human being has someone to forgive. You always have someone to forgive. And some of you have about seven exes to forgive. Doesn't matter, forgive them. It is what it is. But someone says that, someone says, the problem is not someone who has hurt me outside. In church, I didn't expect this in church. How can this happen in church? Bro, welcome to reality. Because there are human beings, not human, ordinary human beings like you in church. How can someone in church also say this in church? You are also saying what people didn't expect you to say. And sometimes if you hear somebody's private opinion, they didn't mean for you to hear it. They were on the phone with someone and you ended up hearing what they were saying. They put you on speaker. The other guy didn't tell them that you were there. <laughs> and put you on speaker, and you heard the things they were saying about you. <laughs> we all have things and opinions we share with people who are very close to us, which we don't want others to hear. Yeah. The things you have said about your pastor, only God knows. <laughs> Especially when you are a leader. You and your wife. And you, you, see. <laughs> you observe one or two. Yeah. Yes. You always observe one or two. Yeah. And until we begin to forgive one another, we can't live this Christian life. That's why people leave church. Some people leave church not because of doctrine, but because of unforgiveness. They are bitter. On my birthday, no one called me. Call them and tell them it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Because the Christian life is so much one another life. If you are not careful, you'll be unfair to others when you come into contact with them. It's one another. That's why we need forgiveness. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says that if you have ought against anyone, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against, King James said, if you have ought against anyone, if you have anything, is there anything? Anything. Please give us, give us uh, New King James so that it's clear. If you have any, everybody say anything. I'm telling you why the prayers have not been answered. Because you prayed with having something against somebody. And you thought that God would say, okay, and this, uh, in this instance, no problem. It has blocked your prayer. So when you stand praying, when you stand praying, if you, the one praying, have anything against anyone, Forgiving, that means if someone has offended you. Because you don't forgive people you have offended. You forgive people who have offended you. And he said, if you have anything against anyone, that's very broad. Is that not so? It's, it's so broad. You have anything against anyone, that's hard. But it's also hard to answer people like you's prayer. 
That's hard. That's why these things, don't take it as law to practice. When you wear Christ, it's the, the constituent elements of the life of Christ. This forgiveness comes natural when you are wearing Christ. It is spontaneous. Forgiveness becomes spontaneous if you are living the life of Christ from inside you. But if you live your human nature, you can't do it. So then these statements become like, who can do this? No one but Christ. So then if we can turn to Christ and put on Christ, the life of Christ begins to, these are the, the, it's like the elements of the life of Christ. It begins to manifest in us because we are wearing Christ. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Holy and beloved. Bowels of mercy. Kindness. Humbleness of my meekness. Long-suffering. For, forbearing one with another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any. Church. 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 People can be in church and have a quarrel against somebody. So God is not surprised about you. You having a quarrel against someone is human. It doesn't make you a devil. You are not. It doesn't make you a hypocrite. You are not. It just means that the flesh is working. So put on. If anyone has anything against it, how many of you think that it's possible to have something against someone in church? How many of you have something against somebody in church? For <laughs> <laughs> bearing one another, if anyone has quarrel against them, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, Rosh, I want to draw your attention to something. Then he goes on to say, above all these things, put on. Ah, but what again? We have, you first of all, <laughs> verse 10. Verse 10 says, put on the new man. Verse 12 says, put on therefore. So the new man is the new nature in Christ, which is the church. Then the, the verse 12 talks about put on. Now these are the elements in God. Then the verse 14 tells us that above all these things, put on love itself. Because which is the bond of perfection. You have to actually now go for love and wait. You know, when you are going out, there are different things you wear. Then you finally wear your coat when it's cold. You wear your coat. But there's usually there are different layers. So you wear this one. You can't just get up from bed, finish showering, then you wear your coat. <laughs> but if you are wearing undergarments, how many of you know it's not good enough to go out? Yeah, because it's cold. It's cold there. Or if it's even summer, People don't want to see you like that. Like that. Yeah, because people will think you are mad. <laughs> they don't want to see you like that. So you put on that. And then you put, so he said that above all this, put on. Love is like that. When they, you should be identified, when they are looking for you, you know, sometimes you can say the lady in the red coat, the, the gentleman in the blue jacket, the overall thing you are wearing should be what people can use to identify you very quickly. And he said, above all these things, you should be very easily identified by your love. Charity. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. He said, pursue charity. 
Chase it. Follow after it. Follow after it. But pastor, that's why I say that I should pursue someone who will love me. No, that's not what it means. That, that's not what it means. It means that make the act of loving a target. That you, you will show love. That's why I quoted John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. God is love. That is, so when you are putting on love, it's like you are putting on the essence of God. Above all, put on love. And the Bible says, pursue love. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Knowledge makes you proud and arrogant, but love builds up. Hallelujah! I like that one. It's powerful. It's a love builds up. See why we need love? We need people full of love, who are wearing love. From today onwards, put it on. Put it on. You got it. They don't tell you to put on what you don't have. You have it. It's there. Just that you've hung it in a wardrobe. So people can know your collection. But they are not there for decoration. They are there to be worn. Above all this, put on love. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, verse 7, verse 8, and verse 13. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. It says, we read it at weddings always. But this is the love the Bible is talking about that we should put on. It's called the agape love. Love suffers. Oh, no. How, how long does love suffer? Love, I think give us an NIV for this particular. Love is patient. That's what it means so very long. Sometimes you can put up with things for a while. Love is patient. Please, give him time to change. But, Pastor, I've been waiting. That's not, just, just put up with him. Put up with him. Don't endorse what but, but give her time to change. I know she likes food, but give her time to change. <laughs> Gradually. <laughs> Let's put away people. Let's accommodate people. Because if we, people of Christ, cannot bear with them, who can? Who can and who should? So let's, let's put that with them. Bible says that love suffers, First Corinthians chapter 13, love suffers long, or, or love is patient, love is kind. Let's all say that together. Love is I think this is so powerful. It would be nice if we all read it so that when the Bible says that, put on love. This is what it says, put on. So let's read it out. Let's go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no... Hold on, that one. That one in marriage, in relation. You have seven years ago what people did. Five years ago, four years ago. There's never a time there's a conversation with your spouse where you don't pull up something that you refer to something that happened a while ago. Every time, last week, every time, last year, every time. Love does not keep record of wrong. We know it happened, but move on from that. Love will not keep referring you. You keep doing this thing. You did it last time. And sometimes people write it down. Some people have journals where they only record bad things people have done against them. 
<laughs> yes. Black, some of you, your names are in people's black books. Yes. So, lab keeps no records of wrong. Let's say that together. One more time, please. This is very interesting. A pastor, how can I live like this? No, you are not expected to live like this. Just leave Christ. And then the resultant effect of living Christ will be this. Amen. We're Christ. So let's move on to the verse 6. Let's go. When you hear someone has failed their exam because you feel you are so happy. When you hear someone's child didn't get the admission because your own didn't get, you feel like finally everybody knows that it's not only me. It's not only him. <laughs> Love does not rejoice or delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Next verse. It's all. Let's go. It's One of the things as a pastor, if you are coming to complain about your husband, your wife, I, I owe you the responsibility of listening to you and helping you. But don't think I'll take sides with you against your husband because I have to protect him. Or against your wife because I have to protect her. Because love protects. Things that I know she said, which she shouldn't have said. When you ask him, Pastor, didn't he? I won't tell you he said it. You have to protect him. I have to protect her. I'm not covering up some evil, but I have to protect the person. Love will protect. Some of us are protected. Protect your mom. Don't tell your husband what your, everything your mom said. Don't tell your wife all the things your mom said. Please. Your wife might not be able to handle it. Not that you are keeping something because the two are one flesh, but some information, it will not build. Love builds up. But knowledge puffs up. Now she thinks she knows. So don't say that to him. Don't say that to her. Don't tell them what your sister said about their family. Yes. Protect. Protect. Protect your church. Protect your church. Protect your pastor. Protect your pastor. Protect your pastors. Protect the other Christian brother. We are all in the same church. And then you are a Christian. You know, you, you are the only two Christians in that organization. Yeah. At work. She goes to Alpha Church and you go to Beta Church. You are not in this, but you are the Christians. And then the work colleagues have ganged up because she comes late and she gets to work at 10.30 and then signs at 8.30. Or oh, nine. <laughs> he said, and she reads the Bible first before she starts work. <laughs> and then there's an issue with at work. You are not covering the person, but please don't join the unbelievers. Don't join unbelievers and pull down a fellow Christian. That's one thing that is so common for Christians to do, especially when it comes to matters of politics. We will sell our own, betray our own, and fight against our own. When we finish, you say that, 
Some Christians are me, I don't get on Christian. All my friends are unbelievers. Please never say that statement and feel you have you have been very wise. When you make a statement like this, it's more a reflection of your carnality. Because if unbelievers constantly feel regularly comfortable around you, you are very carnal. You are not spiritual. You don't have to be Bible bashing, no. But the Christ-centered life in you makes them, if they don't want to change, feel uncomfortable in practicing some things. You, they are, you are part of a WhatsApp and they've been sharing porn on it. Yes. Yes. And you are saying, oh, guys, guys, sometimes let's be a bit considering. Guys, guys, leave that group and join a Christian where they will share prayer topic and daily Bible reading. Hallelujah. Okay, I think let me end. He said, above all, put on love. So first of all, put on the new man, and then put on the elements of Christ, and then above all this, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Next week, we'll pick it up where it says that let's the peace of God. is the empire umpire in your heart. is the referee. is the governing factor in your heart. Let it rule. But for now, to have an effective church life, the definition of the church is Christ. And the expression of the church is these elements. And the top of it all is putting on love. Putting on charity. Then we are actually living the church life. And that's where our spiritual developments occur. Spiritual development occurs in the crucible of a church life. Where the word of God is taught and we are challenged to go higher in Christ. Did you receive something? Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. We pray you have been strengthened and enlightened. You can connect with David Entry on all relevant social media platforms, including Instagram and LinkedIn. You can also hear more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms and the Carriage Church app. Don't forget to like and share the message. Be blessed.